Habits are powerful and they can be good habits or bad habits, but we are creatures of habit. The longer you go staying in one groove, like, you know, not eating bread or not eating candy or not drinking alcohol, to me, it just gets easier because it becomes your habit. It becomes your identity. And the foods I can eat, big juicy cheeseburgers with bacon and eggs on top, it's like, I don't feel deprived. When I eat the foods that I can eat, I'm full and I'm satisfied and I'm not wanting for anything. is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bet Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids, I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly. The world needs you. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. On today's episode, we are bringing back a former guest. His name is Jeff. And he was our guest on episode five. But before we get started, I wanted to give you something to chew on. Let's talk calories. So I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I was growing up, it was all about calories, calories, calories. And we were always pursuing food that had as little calories as possible or even the zero-calorie foods, which really weren't zero-calorie foods. It was just that they were a small enough serving that didn't require them to list calories. So, for example, we were laughing about the the spray on butter. Did any of you have that? It was like the I cannot believe it's not butter spray. And (laughs) I used to spray like two pounds of that on an English muffin and thought I was being healthy. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. I want you to think about calories today in a new light. Not that calories don't matter. I'm not here to argue that point. What I am here to say is that the calorie rule is flawed and that there is a problem with counting calories. And this is why. First, you are drawn to packaged foods that are low calorie, but low nutrient and low satisfaction and therefore cause downstream hunger. Counting calories takes a lot of time. I don't believe all calories are equal. For example, 100 calories of donuts is not going to affect your body the same way as 100 calories of eggs. Calorie counting can often feel restrictive, and most of us were white-knuckling when we were doing it. I don't know if you were like me. And counting calories really doesn't prioritize our metabolic health and strength. So here's what I think is better than counting calories. Focus on real food. Watch sugar, empty carbs, and processed foods. Intermittent fast. Drink black coffee when possible. Avoid drinking too much of your calories. For example, juice, high sugar smoothies, milk, and alcohol. Move your body. Lift weights. Reduce unnecessary stress. Get your sleep. I'm telling you, the more you remove the former thought process of focusing on calories, I really think you are taking steps in the right direction for your health journey. 
Today, our guest Jeff is sharing how he maintains his 85 pound plus weight loss. And he's going to share with you a unique tool, the carnivore diet. We've had a few prior guests mention this tool before. However, we're diving a little deeper today. You may wonder, do I eat the carnivore diet? No, I do not. I challenge you, even if you do not eat the carnivore diet, even if you never plan to, I think there are some really powerful tools that Jeff is going to share today that can apply to you and your health journey. And I also want to challenge you that if you're getting too stuck in your ways, that you can't listen to differing viewpoints or things that are a little outside of the box, then I think you're going to struggle on your health journey. Because like I stated in today's episode, a lot of the health advice that's out there on the internet or that we've been told for the last few decades hasn't been working for us. And I think on Big Bold Life Podcast, we share tools that are working. So whether you are vegan, paleo, or carnivore, I know you will get some tools for your tool belt. And remember, friends, we are not medical professionals. The tips and advice that we share are just based on our own experience in the hopes that they may inspire you on your own unique health journey. Here's Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. It is so great to have you back on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. Good morning, Beth. Thank you. It's nice to be back. As I said in the introduction, Jeff's episode, episode number five, was extremely impactful to many of my listeners. And many of you have been curious to see how Jeff is doing in his story and journey that he shares on episode number five. He shared about his over 85 pound weight loss using a unique fasting tool and also some of the things he was doing in his eating lifestyle to maintain that. And yet most of our first episode was really focused on what he did to lose the weight. And today's episode's a little different. We're going to talk to Jeff about how he's maintaining his weight loss and how he is currently in the best health of his adult life. And he's going to share a little bit about an eating lifestyle called carnivore that he is currently implementing to help him maintain his amazing weight loss and health results. So welcome, Jeff. And can you just tell the listeners, if they didn't catch episode five, a little bit about your journey so they can play a little catch up today? So I think when we recorded episode five, it was about a year ago. I think last January was when we did it. So well, there's been, you know, this has been quite a year. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of uh, uncertainty and stress going on. So let me uh, give you a little background for those that didn't hear that episode yet. But I recommend maybe listening to it if you're curious after after this one. So pretty much most of my life, I, I started this journey at 48 that I'm on now, but uh, I'm 51 now. So I've always fought with obesity and I'm pretty much a very easy gainer. I, my body is loves to save energy and store, store it. So I've struggled kind of with weight loss, you know, dealing with weight most of my life. I've, you know, had some success getting it off, but it always comes 
roaring back. And, you know, when you try to restrict too much, typically your body eventually fights back and and you gain it back. So the, the question is, what could I do to not let that happen, not repeat that cycle? And last time, I think when we talked, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of the insulin model and, you know, Dr. Jason Fung and, you know, fasting and low carb. But uh, so I think there's some science that struck home with me. And um, so I've been trying to follow that science and make this time work from a maintenance standpoint. I had a lot of different health issues that caught up to me in my late 40s, high blood pressure, sleep apnea. My weight had ballooned up over 270. I had gotten diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Um, I'd been taking statins for cholesterol, which have their own host of side effects. And, you know, I was eating way too much sugar, processed foods, alcohol, really damaging my health overall and uh, needed to make some changes. So uh, as I learned more, you know, read uh, some of Dr. Fung's books, Gary Tobbs, a little bit more about the insulin hypothesis, and uh, it clicked. So I made some changes. And like I mentioned on the last podcast, I've been off all meds. I have no health issues left and feel great and my health is very good and I love to share about it. Uh, So thanks for having me on and having me back and I'm happy to answer any questions. I think what I hope people heard too often times, we think that if we're getting older, that automatically means our health is only going to get worse and that once we have certain conditions you can't go back. So once I have, once I'm type two diabetic, I'm not going to be able to heal that. I'm just going to be able to manage it. Once I start taking statins, I might reduce my cholesterol a little bit, but I'm not going to heal it completely. Once I balloon up to a certain weight, the chance of me really getting back down to a healthy weight, I'm too far gone. And what I hear in your story and what I hope people continue to take away is that you're on no medications now. You do not have type 2 diabetes. You are in the best health of your adult life at age 51, and you started at 48. There's so much hope in your story. I just am so glad that you're sharing it because I think more and more people need to hear this message. Well, thank you, Vet. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's a very discouraging and um, just demoralizing situation to find yourself in. And, you know, honestly, if more people were open to hearing and learning uh, about some of the things that we've talked about or you've talked about and shared in your podcast, uh, it would be great. But a lot of times you want to share it with people and they're just not ready to hear it. Um, They don't want to hear about fasting or, or carnivore or, you know, you know, losing their carb foods that they love. So it's 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 a little sad, but it's great when people are ready to hear the message and, and give something new a try because uh, they can change their life. So Jeff, let's get to what we are all curious about, which is how have you maintained your over 85 pound weight loss and being in the best health of your life at 51 between diet, exercise, lifestyle? What What do you credit to that? I'd love to share with you. I would say, so weight loss has a lot more to do with what you eat than the the activity, in my opinion, but the activities are also important to overall health. So from a nutrition and diet standpoint, to maintain the weight loss, I use a what I would call a relaxed carnivore diet. Maybe it's 98% animal products. Uh, some people are more strict and they have different reasons for that. 
and some people do more of a meat-based carnivore. But for me, it just means it's mostly um, animal products and a variety of animal products, including some organ meats, including seafoods, eggs, some dairy, but also including the occasional, you know, like coffee is a is a plant product. Occasionally, I'll I'll have some berries or dark chocolate, maybe some some nuts or mushrooms on a steak. But they're they're very much just the occasional side item. Mostly, it's, it's animal based animal products, foods, and then I do try to emphasize some variety because I think you get different vitamins and minerals from different types of of uh, foods. And then from a lifestyle standpoint. You know, for general overall health, I I definitely value activity and I think activity should be things you enjoy doing because that makes it fun and it's much more about using your body and you know, being active than it is a specific, you know, high high focus on a certain sport for me. So I love swimming. I've gravitated towards swimming almost every morning for 25, 30 minutes. Uh, I like to do some uh, yen yoga, which is more of the long, deep stretch type yoga. As I get older, it just helps with the range of motion and keeping things from getting too tight. I I had uh, done more weight training last year than this year. Part of this year, I couldn't get to the gym as much. And when I did go back, I just sort of wanted to focus on swimming. So I did that more. I try to walk almost every day. Aside from physical activity, I really try to prioritize sleep. I want to make sure I get a you know, good at least seven hours of sleep. And um, I think getting out in the sun, getting fresh air and sunshine is important. So um, especially, you know, for vitamin D production, nitric oxide, there's there's a lot of good reasons to get sun exposure, not sunburn, of course, but getting sun exposure, I think uh, regularly is, is a great thing for your health. Try to maintain routines, try not to get too stressed out, have time to relax. Actually, the swimming is a bit of a relaxation time for me. I just sort of, you know, breathe and stroke and and try to clear my mind a bit. You know, learning new things, listening to podcasts like yours and learning from people that have, have life experiences that I don't. I find that very interesting. And then I think lastly is looking for ways to pay things forward, looking for ways to help uh, friends, family, colleagues, strangers, uh, where there's opportunities to help others. It always makes you feel good. And, you know, I think that's important, uh, important part of life, lifestyle, generate some good karma. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of what I think I've done to maintain both weight loss and health in general. And I think uh, let me add this last year, obviously, with all the uncertainty and stress, especially, you know, a about a year ago and all this, we didn't know what the heck was, was happening. And, you know, my industry in the oil industry really uh, got had had some setbacks. So stress on the on the job front, stress on the health front, you know, you worry about family, elderly family members, it's easy to slip back into some old habits or stress eat or drink or, you know, different things. So I made sure to recognize that and acknowledge that and just watch, keep that as a watch point. I think what we've learned, if nothing else this last year, that metabolic health, having a strong immune system is incredibly important. Having a lifestyle that's conducive to that is also important. I think you are so right on. You know, I love that more and more people are talking about metabolic health because what I've been really emphasizing is the word strong. And I think too often times in our pursuit to lose weight or get skinny, we are not 
focusing on the ultimate goal, which is a strong immune system and having good metabolic health. And that is, to me, what stands out in your journey is that the things you are doing are assuring that you have the best metabolic health possible. And when you see, Jeff, when you see others who are, who've lost weight, but they kind of continuously yo-yo or struggle maintaining it, what do you think they're doing differently? And why do you think they continue to yo-yo? Yeah, I think we all learn different lessons in life at different times in different ways. And, um, I have yo-yoed in my past and I'm at a point in my life where I I don't want to do that. And I want to find a way to maintain a stable balance of health in my life. And that includes my physical health and weight. So it's a priority. You know, others, it it may be more of a priority to enjoy the holidays and then fast it off or or run a lot the next. It's a personal choice. But for me, I don't want to lose and gain and gain and lose. And I want a, a nice, stable health and weight. So I I guess my uh, the way I look at it is kind of uh, like anything in life. I have a vision of, of the outcome that I want. And then I try to order my day-to-day actions accordingly. So if, if I want to be healthy and fit, then I, I think about what can I do today that will contribute to that. It's it's too big of a too big of a thing to think about. Well, I've got to do this for you know the next year or six months. That could be in the back of your head, but really, it's about what little things can I do today that will advance me towards that goal. And and if you just focus on today, it's not that overwhelming. And you know, in the morning, think about what are some things you can do to advance towards that goal. It's about consistency and progress over you know perfection and getting everything just right. You can't worry too much. About about yesterday and you know tomorrow will come but what you can do is control your decisions today so that's kind of how i prioritize my focus i love that i think that's such good advice now let's talk a little bit more about this carnivore eating lifestyle that you mentioned earlier you mentioned it that carnivore is an animal based eating lifestyle can you elaborate just a little bit more on what you define the carnivore diet to be and then i know you mentioned a lot of the foods and the and the food types, but I'd love for you to share then as someone who is mostly carnivore, what a typical day looks like for you as well. So the idea of carnivore, you know, it's it's kind of a subset of ketogenic or low carb lifestyle. Obviously, if you're not eating plant foods, you're you're not really getting much in the form of carbohydrate. You know, the argument is basically there are no essential carbohydrates and that all the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that we need are plentiful in animal foods, especially if you get a variety of animal foods, you eat, you know, nose to tail include some organs, include some different types of meats and animals, uh, some dairy. So yeah, that's that's the idea. Also, you know, some people have autoimmune issues or allergies that they're not aware of, low-grade intolerances. And by uh, the plants, uh, basically the, the theory is that the plants, in particular the plant seeds, meaning grains or anything that kind of sprouts the, the plant, is, is well protected by the plant to some degree or another. Through evolution, they have developed defenses because they can't run away and move, so they develop chemical defenses. And, you know, if you look around, most of the plants you see, you can't eat. You know, they're toxic. And the idea is maybe some of the plants we do eat have lower levels of toxins, and if we too much of it, especially if it's processed and, and concentrated in um, in high degree, then potentially you're getting 
you're getting exposure to a lot of the toxins in their defense mechanisms. So uh, by eliminating that and focusing on the animal products and the animal foods, then you're able to get a lot of the nutrition and potentially eliminate some of the reactions or our gut issues or autoimmune issues. It's a little controversial and may not be for everyone. And there's a lot of information out there so that if someone is curious, there's plenty of books and influencers to listen to and learn from. But I'm just sharing my my journey. I've tried it and I, I feel great on it. It works well. My health is good. I'm not not that concerned about some of the so-called risks that you know we can address later if you want. So relaxed carnivore, one of the real benefits is it's mostly natural foods. Animal products are typically not highly processed and, and we don't really advocate processed meats like bologna and things like that. It's, uh, you know, steaks and burgers. And I prefer to buy a lot of my meat from local farms. So I know that the animals were raised well and had access to, to good, healthy diets. Personally, I try to prioritize protein over fat. Some people try to do more of a ketogenic version of carnivore where they eat, you know, high percentage of fat. Uh, for some people that works better. For me, eating, making sure I get the protein and then uh, enough fat works works well. Excess fat tends to accumulate on my body. So I don't I don't try to get too much fat uh, beyond what I need. And, and, and if I want to tighten up my diet or lean out a little bit, then I cut out the, the dairy or the, the extra fat. Generally, you eat when hungry, eat until full. And I like that part of it. There's not requirements for tracking, tracking grams of, of uh, macros and things like that. What does a typical day look like? And we realize that not every day is the same, but yeah. on average, what does a day look like for you? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It's fairly similar, which is, which is good for me because I get you get into a routine. Let me just start by saying there there are a lot of even though carnivore sounds simple, there are different camps just like any diet, and there's some people that have different opinions about whether you can you know add spices or not, or have have some plant foods or not. You know, there's there's relaxed camp which includes some dairy and eggs. There's more strict that may just be meat, water, and salt. There's one called the Lion Diet from Michaela Peterson, which is just beef and water. Uh, that's it. So uh, she has a huge amount of autoimmune issues. And when she adds anything to her, her diet beyond that, she gets terrible reactions. So there's quite a broad spectrum. I'd say I'm more on the less strict side, but if I need to try to lean out, I can get a little more strict. A typical day for me is generally two meals a day, and that's and maybe some small snacks, but uh, each meal consists typically of uh, about a pound of meat or seafood or a combination of both, and maybe a couple of eggs or an egg or two. And uh, both meals about the same, usually break my fast. I work out and then have my first meal around an early lunch, you know, around 11. And then second meal around seven, kind of a, a 16, eight without really trying. It's just about the times I get hungry. And that's about the right amount of food for my activity. Some carnivores will eat three, four pounds of meat a day. Two and some eggs works pretty well for me. I have morning black coffee and then work out fasted. And then uh, when I get hungry, I'll, I'll go ahead and have my first meal. I do try to add some liver in there, um, you know, in the mornings. I'll have regularly, I'll, at least uh, a few times a week, I'll have small amounts of liver because I think there's a huge amount of vitamins in liver that are not abundant in some of the, the muscle meats. 
or other other types of food. So that's almost like a, a vitamin for me, but it's actually small pieces of liver that I chew up and swallow. If I do want a snack, it can be a can of tuna, could be meat sticks, could be pork rinds, even some dairy like cottage cheese or Greek yogurt, uh, cheese stick. And then, you know, a real splurge would be some berries, or some very dark chocolate or a spoonful of nut butter. Uh, those are you know, less common and recognized to me as, as a splurge or a treat. And if, I, if I'm trying to get a, a little leaner, I'll cut some of that stuff, especially the dairy. You know, you've had Dr. Ted Neiman on and protein to energy diet. So I, I agree with that. I think if, if you want to lean out, you know, go a little higher protein ratio or eat your proteins a little leaner and cut out some of the added fats or dairy. And then uh, that that tends to work for me. I eat uh, a variety. I'll eat beef, lamb, pork, chicken, bacon, salmon, cod, shrimp, oysters, eggs, and like I said, some dairy. So yeah, that's pretty much, you know, what I would eat in a normal day. And I think your approach to carnivore, I loved how you explained that there are just like in any eating lifestyle, there's lots of different interpretations. There's lots of different people that kind of have their carve out within that. And I love your approach to it. So I think it's great. And also... I noticed that people who maybe have a past of higher insulin resistance, they often can find really good success with a carnivore type eating lifestyle. Have you found the same? Yeah, it's very low carbohydrate, really. I mean, it's it's not uncommon to have five or 10 total carbs in a day eating this way. And those might come from even eggs or a little bit of dairy, you know, a cup of coffee, pretty minimal. And that really keeps your blood sugar stable, keeps your your insulin levels fairly low. And I think, you know, add some exercise in there and uh, burn off some glycogen each day. And you're going to improve insulin resistance, improve fatty liver and start getting rid of that, that visceral fat that's so dangerous for our metabolic health. Hey, friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guests. Jeff, did you notice kind of through your maintenance, through your weight loss, all of these things, did you notice that there was a period of time where eating like this was hard and then all of a sudden you got less hungry, your body started liking these foods even more, and then you were noticing the results? Or did you automatically right away say, oh, I I love these foods. This is great. I, I find different paths for everybody. How, what was your path? Yeah. I started my weight loss journey with a lot of extended fasting. And because of that, you really, it's a reset. It's a hard reset. So I kicked a lot of my bad habits when I was doing the first few months of heavy fasting. So bringing back foods like animal products, steaks, meat. I I looked at it maybe a little differently. I was adding back things that I liked, not cutting out things because I had already cut out everything. 
So from my perspective, it didn't feel that much like I was depriving myself. I'd already had to kick habits like sugar and alcohol and bread and everything else when you're fasting. So it was just like, wow, now I can eat steak and eggs. Now I can have bacon. Now I can have some salmon. You know, it's like seemed great to me. Um, I've never been a huge vegetable fan. I ate it because I thought it was healthy. And, uh, you know, if, if you love vegetables, good for you. But <laughs> I think I was, you know, conditioned to think it was healthy for me. So I would find ways to try to like it. But now that I've released myself from that, that guilt of not having them, <laughs> I, uh, I actually uh, don't miss them, you know, and the foods that I would probably enjoy would be foods that are really bad for me anyway, you know, like Reese's peanut butter cups or things like that. And I haven't had those in so long. I don't even really see them as food when I when I'm in the store. Or, you know, I don't even think about it. It's, it's like anything. Habits are powerful and they can be good habits or bad habits, but we are creatures of habit. So as, as the longer you go staying in one groove, like, you know, not eating bread or not eating candy or not drinking alcohol, to me, it just gets easier because it becomes your habit. It becomes your identity. And you see people eating that food and knowing what it does to their health, and it, it kind of turns you off. It's not a temptation, really. And the foods I can eat, big, juicy cheeseburgers with bacon and eggs on top, it's like I don't feel deprived. When I eat the, the foods that I can eat, I'm full and I'm satisfied and I'm not wanting for anything. I love that. I think that's so important for people to hear, and I hope that everyone finds an eating lifestyle that does exactly what you just explained. So let's talk calories a little bit. You know, okay. you and I have had many conversations around calories. I know there's a lot of different camps. You know, they don't matter. They do matter. No, it's more about what the calorie is than really what what the number of calories it is. And I think the whole calorie conversation is quite interesting. As you may or may not know, I don't count calories. I really have found the more I prioritize the right foods and the more I intermittent fast and take breaks and give my digestion system a break, the less I need to focus on that concept at all. But I'm curious what your take is on calories. Sure. It, it's evolved, actually. It's changed. I think when I was uh, maybe in the first year or two, I enjoyed to track what I ate. And whether it's calories or nutrients or or macros. I just found it very interesting to kind of track all that stuff, make sure I was getting the right amount of nutrients, understanding what might change if I did more grams of protein versus fat. Overall, I think it's less about calories as it is about energy. But the problem is your body adapts and adjusts. And there's so many confounders like your hormones and the signals for hunger and how what you eat affects that, that the calories are a blurry marker, in my opinion, because of their effect on hormones and satiety. So I don't think it's really effective to count and track calories. But it's also not good to think that I can eat endless amounts of energy, whether it's carbs or fat, and it's not going to, you know, get stored if I eat excess. So excess could be a lot different for different people and different stages in their life, depending on their activity and where they're coming from. And really, the only way to tell is by trial and error. You know, if you're finding you're gaining weight and you're eating kind of a low carb diet and you're doing your fasting, you know, maybe your metabolism has slowed down so much that it needs some healing, which could mean 
you need to just feed it for a while and get your metabolism back to where it needs to be. And you you might gain a little little weight at first. And then once you're kind of healthy and your metabolism's back where it should be and you feel good, maybe the weight starts coming off. So it's it's a kind of a muddy subject and it causes a lot of, of uh, debate. So ultimately, I do think energy in and energy out have to have to balance it balances in different ways and and for everybody a little differently so it's it's not hey i'm this size and this age and this uh i'm male so i need 2200 calories different calories protein calories are way different than fat calories hunger is affected by the types of food you eat and we're all affected by hunger so it's a tricky subject i know the foods that will give me the the nourishment and the nutrients that i need and i'm getting those so uh, it's maintaining my progress and and that's what works so i i don't really need to track and i don't find it as interesting as i did a year or two ago. I think that's a really interesting progression. I find that a lot of people in the early parts of their journey tend to need to weigh more, measure more, track different things more. And then there's this really neat place where you find this piece and you find the shoe that kind of works for you. And I think that that's so nice to arrive at because sure, you could still track if you wanted to, but now you don't really need to. And you've released yourself of that time and that it takes to do that. Jeff, what do you say to the people that say, Jeff, but you're mentioning you're getting all the vitamins you need, but I was taught that the vitamins and the nutrients are in or only in our vegetables. And <laughs> what have you learned by being on a relaxed carnivore type eating? What have you actually learned that may not agree with that? Sure. Well, actually, yeah, you get that from, you know, concerned family members friends, you know, and I appreciate that they're concerned about that. That's why I do a lot of research, why I do a lot of learning from multiple sources. And I think there's a lot of misinformation about what what nutrients and micronutrients are available in, in meats and animal products. They're not just protein. There's a ton of different um, nutrients and vitamins in different types of meats and different types of animal products. Whole animals like oysters or eggs contain a little bit of everything that we need because there's that's a whole living organism that's got everything in there that they need. So um, we're not that different and we get we can absorb those things. I think if you just eat steak, you know, it's going to be harder to get all the nutrients. But if you get some liver, some oysters, some eggs, some dairy, you know, some salmon, some, you know, chicken or pork in there, you know, you're going to get a lot of different exposure to different. Some do collagen, bone broth, uh, bone marrow, salmon eggs. You know, there's there's so many different ways. And the fat soluble vitamins are very important, A, D, E and K. And you have to take those with fat and they're abundant in animal sources. A lot of the an the vitamins and animal sources are more bioavailable for us. You know, vitamin A, you hear about it. The plant-based version is beta carotene. The animal-based version is retinol. And our body needs retinol, so it has to convert beta carotene into retinol. And instead, why not just eat animal version that is stored readily? Similar, there's there's similarities in other vitamins, but they are they're abundant. And I know we've been taught that you have to get them out of plants, but that's not necessarily true. And if we, if you really do a little research, you'll find even vitamin C, you can get that in liver and squeeze a little lemon in your, in your water, get a little vitamin C. That's part of the reason I did tracking for a while is really watching some of those micronutrients and knowing where I can get all the different vitamins and minerals that I want uh, to make sure 
And the other part of that is is testing. You know, go in, get a really good blood workup, check your your vitamin D levels, your you know calcium and you know vitamin B, all those different vitamins and minerals, and see if you're you're low or deficient in anything, and then figure out what foods you can add to help those. And in general, you know, people, I, I love some of the memes you see. You know, people aren't concerned when you're eating, you know, Captain Crunch and and Doritos, but as soon as you're eating steak, they're like, oh my god, you're gonna kill yourself. Uh, no, steak. Is- I hate to say it, but it's kind of true. It's like, I'm yeah. sure you get more concerned now with, you know, hey, I, I had a big steak than you did if you were walking around with a Snickers bar. You know, it's, it's so bizarre. You get more people, more people worried. And you think about, okay, our ancestors for 50,000 years, 100,000 years, they didn't, they, what do you think that they ate? Yeah, they had some plants, but they weren't eating processed foods. And most likely they were, they were doing a lot of hunting and eating red meat and thriving, you know, and developing, you know, great survival genes. So we're, we're a part of that. And I just don't think that, that those foods are dangerous as we're kind of led to believe and told. I think there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, not to sound conspiracy, but I think there's a lot of profit motives in the diet uh, recommendations that you see from coming out from government and and companies and even sadly in in some of the scientific trials they're a bit biased by profit motives in industry or just philosophical ideologies that infiltrate that but ultimately you think back what what would we have been eating through the majority of human history my diet's not too far off from that i think that's fascinating and i think you have given people a lot to really kind of boldly think about say you know maybe all these things i've been told aren't really really the case. And look at obesity. When did obesity really start popping up? Right. (laughs) And you made a note about our ancestors too. A fascinating thing is if you ever look up what a lot of fruit and vegetables used to look like, and most of them were not very sweet. Most of them did not look that great to eat. And yes, maybe the hunter gatherers had some access to those. And yet they do not taste like the fruit and the vegetables that we have access to in the supermarkets. It's very different. I sometimes think people don't make that correlation that we wouldn't have had access to all of these fruits and vegetables and they would not have tasted as sweet as they do today. Yeah. And they seasonally would have only been available certain times of the year. So what if you lived in northern Europe in uh, the winter, what you know, what are you going to be eating? You know, I even tell people that who have struggled on their health journey, I'm like, yes, it's it's in your control. Yes, you have the power to take your health back, but also in your defense, there is more food and more access to snacks and instant delivery food than any time in human history, any time. And yeah. I think it's yeah. great that you've done the research to figure out what works best for you and your body. So I feel like we kind of tackled what's the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to carnivore. But if someone wanted to learn more, who do you recommend they go check out? And what are the key influencers that you feel like are a good good place to start? Absolutely. Appreciate that. So a guy named Dr. Sean Baker is part of this movement. He's been carnivore for, I think, four years now. He's about 53 or 54. He was on Joe Rogan podcast and it got a lot of interest. He has some really good material on on YouTube. He wrote a book 
about the carnivore diet, but he's got a website called meetrx.com and there's a lot of testimonials. There's coaching around it. So that that's a great resource. Dr. Ken Berry, who you've had on, is he eats a carnivore diet. Dr. Ted Naiman doesn't eat a carnivore diet strictly, but eats predominantly, um, you know, fat and protein versus carbs. Paul Saladino, Dr. Rob Siwas, who's the, called the carb addiction doctor. And then um, Dr. Jason Fung is not a carnivore guy, but he's definitely understands a diet that helps keep insulin under control, which this one does. So, and then some of the, Kelly Hogan Williams has a great podcast. She's an 11 year carnivore and Looks fantastic, healed all kinds of stuff. Dr. Judy Cho, uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyons, uh, even the ketogenic girl on YouTube. So there's a bunch of places to for people to look. There's if you Google, you know, carnivore diet. There's a lot of books out there as well. So if you're interested, I think you might find it fascinating. It's it's definitely it's not for everyone, but it's worth looking into if your other other things aren't working for you. And I don't think it's for everyone, but I I think anyone can do it. And it, it's a healthy the option and it's kind of it might be something to try for a, a couple of months to see it's kind of a really good elimination diet if you're having a health issue and you can't quite figure it out you can get your nutrients and break it down to a very simple diet and then start bringing some things back in and uh, maybe zero in on what might be causing some problems i think that is all just such great advice as we're kind of coming to a close is there anything else that as someone's exploring this or trying it that you want to recommend any supplements, anything about salt, anything else that you like, oh, I wish I would have known this? Sure. I think um, you, you don't need a lot of supplements, but you know your minerals and electrolytes, a lot of the foods nowadays don't have as many minerals in in them as they used to and electrolytes so you know some trace mineral drops in your water or something like that i don't think that hurts at all or drink mineral water electrolytes whenever anytime you shift from a standard american diet to a ketogenic type of a diet your body loses a lot of fluids and waters because the sugar the glycogen is stored along with water so when you fast when you you know go into ketosis because of a low carb diet even carnivore you tend to lose some fluids and body weight and along with that you lose some electrolytes so at least in the beginning be cautious of that you may need some extra salts or um, magnesium to keep balanced i think long term your body adjusts to uh, what you're doing and and you may not need to add that much i i don't just on occasion if i if i have a headache i might add a little more salt but for the most part i don't have to add electrolytes in the winter if you live in a in a high uh more northern latitude and you're not, you're not getting a lot of sun some vitamin d i take a vitamin d3 k2 drops in the winter and you know as a precaution i don't know if it's necessary or not i don't think it hurts uh d3 and k2 together work together kind of help manage calcium in your body which is a good thing and then with the virus going around and potentials for sickness i've just been hearing a lot about zinc and how it boosts your immunity so i've been taking small zinc tablet each day i don't know again if that's necessary the foods i eat have a lot of zinc but uh, just a precaution primarily because of the the covid situation other than that uh, my my multivitamin is is eating liver a few times a week and uh, you know eggs or or shellfish i think just be mindful have a plan understand it's those those old habits are still there 
And everybody that has backslides, it always starts with a, a cheat session that goes far too long. And, and all of a sudden, you, you're in a, uh, a depressing situation, and, and it's easy to let it continue. So uh, be mindful with your choices. Be thoughtful about your, your goals and your objectives and make your decisions each day kind of according to those. You know, you, you need to be kind to yourself. You know, we're all human and we all have ups and downs. You know, if you do fall off track, you get right back on and work towards your goal. This keep an open mind. Nutrition and health is not as um, settled as mainstream thinking would lead us to believe. So, you know, keep an open mind and research and learn and uh, look at the science, look at the look at the logic. And, you know, this is just one one option for you to consider. So it's working for me and I want to share it. And I love ending on that because I will tell you, Jeff, that every single guest that we've had on this show that has had what we would define as success on their health journey or progress on their health journey. I would say they have been bold in challenging what we've been told is the best nutrition. And and I think that your perspective here is another tool for someone's tool belt. And it is bold, but we need to realize that a lot of the advice that we have been given for the last few decades isn't working. It isn't working. And Maybe, just maybe someone listening today will hear your journey and it'll work for them. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you're right. I hope so. And uh, thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to share a little bit about my journey. And I hope it does help somebody. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you. You.